0: Enjoy seeing that. Open the Bible, your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Our title of our message this morning is King of the Jews. Jesus is spoken of as King of the Jews. Three times, mainly three times during his life. One, here close to his birth, that we'll read. Two, when he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. And three, at his trial and death. And when you study the Gospels and you look at that, you will see that there's an emphasis upon him being keen at those three distinct times during his life. And ministry. We're going to talk about that. And all three of those places are of great places of humility, but yet he's king. And so that's our focus this morning. Matthew chapter 2, read verse 1 through 6. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. You know, not everybody rejoiced at the birth of the announcement of the king of the Jews, did they? Let's pray. Father, help us this morning as we come into your presence. And I pray, Lord, for your power, Lord, as we seek to open up your word and as we seek to focus upon Jesus Christ as King of the Jews. And Father, let us not forget that he holds that title and that one day he will come back and will physically reign in Jerusalem. And we will see that He is not only keen over us, but He is keen over Israel. Help us, Lord, to see that and to rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ is King. And that King is coming soon. Not in the manner in which He came the first, but He's coming with great power and great glory. And let us look forward to that time. In Jesus' name we pray and amen. Now as you may already know, Jesus was not very well received uh, when He came to this earth. And neither was He very well received by those who would be called His own, the people of the Jews. We know from the account of the Word of God, if you go back and read, that there was no room at the end. I'm, I'm sure we're all familiar with that. And we find in the account we read here that Herod sought to kill him. Herod was not pleased at the announcement of his birth, and neither was all Jerusalem, it says. Now, I'm sure there might have been some, but as a whole, all of Jerusalem were troubled at this saying of his birth. The Pharisees and the chief priests and the scribes were mad when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey and was being worshipped and praised as the son of David then at his trial the chief priests shouted out that they had no king but Caesar when you see how that the Jewish people rejected Jesus Christ you understand why that the word of God says what it does in John 1 11 when it says he came to his own and his own did not receive him and his own theirs in reference to the Jewish people. When it says that he came unto his own, it's speaking to the Jewish people, because you see why, because Jesus is Jew. Jesus is a Jew. Now here is something that I find ironic in our world today, and even around this Christmas season. At the same time that we have the Christmas season going on, there's also another thing that is very strongly going on in our world. (laughs) Anti-Semitism. Don't you find that interesting? Both of those things going on at the same time. And some may even be guilty of anti-Semitism while seeking to celebrate Christmas at the same time. Jesus is Jew. You reject Jews, guess what? You reject the King of the Jews now Israel rejected Jesus while here on earth and we know this but this does not mean that she'd ever have any sort of uh, hatred for the Jews some Christians act like that and talk like that though I do not believe that that is a Christian-like behavior to have it seems odd to be labeled Christian like Christ and then have Hatred for Jews, Jesus is Jew. So, anti-Semitism is not Christian. It is not Christ-like. Now, some Christians, though, entitled, believe that God is done with the nation of Israel and that the church uh, or the New Testament believers are the new Israel. And so, in their mind, this justifies a continual resentment and rejection of the nation of Israel today. Now now Paul did not believe that, and he did not believe that God was done with the nation of Israel here on this earth. And he did not believe that Israel was replaced by the church or the New Testament believers. Paul stated in Romans 11, verse 25 and 26, and if you go back and study Romans 9, 10, and 11, you'll find that all through those chapters this teaching, but he said in Romans 11, Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. I believe the nation of Israel is going to go through a lot of harder times, rougher even than what they're going through now, and many of them will die, as the Word of God teaches, but eventually they will all be saved. But yes, the Jews at this moment as a whole, the nation of Israel has rejected their King Jesus when He came the first time. But there's coming another day where they will see Jesus come as King. He will take His rightful place on the throne in Jerusalem. I believe the Word of God is clear that one day King Jesus is going to come back and sit there in Israel, in Jerusalem, on his throne. And Israel will be saved. In Jeremiah chapter 23, I want to read just a few verses there. Jeremiah 23 and verse 5 through 8 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Folks, that day is coming. Jesus Christ is going to come back as king. He will reign and he will execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called. So, what are we going to call Jesus? when He sits there in Jerusalem and rules and reigns, He will be called the Lord our Righteousness. What a great title. You know, the nation of Israel, actually right now, they are still looking right now for their King. And I think that because of what's going on in the nation of Israel, they are looking for Him even more at this time. They're looking for their Messiah. Now we know... They missed Him the first time, and they rejected Him when He came, but they're still looking for Messiah to come. I've seen some videos lately that are very recent videos of the Israeli military, many of them, many of them singing about the coming of Messiah. So definitely this time of trial that they're going through has caused them to get focused on the coming of Messiah. Yes, they missed Jesus the first time when He came lowly, born of a virgin, riding on a donkey and bearing a cross. They missed Him. But one day soon, they will see that Jesus Christ was King when they rejected Him the first time. And they will see Him set Himself up as King in Jerusalem just as they have been awaiting for their Messiah to do that. Now, as we already said in the beginning, I want to consider this king in a manger, this king on a donkey, and this king on a cross. First of all, the king in a manger we see here in chapter 2 of Matthew where we have read already. We see that wise men from the east came to Jerusalem looking for the one who has been born, and they call him the king of the Jews. Now as you read on down into the account, we're not going to do that for the sake of time this morning, you find out that King Herod was troubled and and when he heard about this, and so was Jerusalem. He's seen this news as threatening to his rule. Do you understand that? That's what Herod is upset about. King of the Jews? Listen, he has power right now over the Israeli Jews. He does not want to lose that power and that grip that he has over those people. So we find from the text, as you read on, that later he has, as he realized he's been duped by the wise men, who did not come at the birth of Jesus, by the way, it was a little bit later. Uh, but anyhow, he was duped by them, and so he has all the young boys from two years and under in Bethlehem killed. He did not want this child who was prophesied to be king to live. You see, Herod seen this child as a threat to his rule and reign. Not, of course, while he was just a little child, but as he grew up and becomes a man, is this the one. You know, sometimes as I think about this, I think about some today are really the same way. They don't mind really the lowly child, Jesus, born in a manger. But if you start talking about Him becoming king in their life, then that's a whole different subject, isn't it? Listen, our, our human nature does not want Jesus Christ as king. Because we are selfish. We want to rule our own life. We want to be in charge of our own life. It's one thing to think about Jesus in a lowly manger, and it's another thing to think about Jesus sitting on the throne of our hearts, telling us what to do and how to live, and submitting the authority of our lives unto Him. See, Herod's seen Him as a threat. And oftentimes, many people still do today. They want a Jesus they can control. They do not want one that will control them. And so many today may celebrate the birth of Jesus, but yet who would never want Him as king in their life? I'm not saying if you celebrate Christmas, you do not want Jesus as king. What I am saying is that most people in the world are okay with baby Jesus in a crib, but they're not okay with Jesus being king in their life and ruling over them and telling them how to live. Now, while Herod rejected this one that is born as king of the Jews, there were some who did not reject him as king. You remember there were the shepherds out in the fields that an angel of the Lord announced to them good tidings with great joy, which will be to all people that one that was born that day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There was the angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The shepherds then go, as you may know, and find Christ the Lord in the manger, a very lowly place that stunk. (laughs) And they glorified and praised God for all that they had seen and heard. And so here we have a parallel. We have a contrast, I should say. A contrast of one who is king, who is ruler, who has pompous, who is high. A powerful king. Reject Jesus, the king. And yet at the same time, we have shepherds. Praise God for Jesus Christ, the Lord. And I'm reminded as we think about this, and we'll see this each time as we look at each one of these points. I'm reminded of how God often chooses the lowly in this life to reveal Himself to. The Bible actually says, For not many mighty, not many noble are called. It doesn't say that there's not any, but not many. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. A king born in a manger, born of a virgin, no room in the inn, a humble birth, right? Rejected by King Herod, praised by lowly shepherds. And so one thing we need to ask ourselves, we contemplate this, will we allow our pride Our desire to rule our own life, our own selfishness, to not want to let go of our authority we think we have and reject Jesus as king, as Herod did. Or will we worship him as the shepherds? Will we humble ourselves and worship this king born in a manger? Now let's secondly talk about the king on a donkey. In Matthew chapter 21... Matthew chapter 21, we'll read a few verses there. I love this account in Matthew 21. Often in your Bible, it might even be called the triumphal entry. I like that. It is a triumphal entry. But let me tell you what, folks, there's going to come an even more triumphal entry that's going to come later. And he's not going to come riding on a donkey lowly. Revelations pictures him as riding on a horse. And he's going to become very, it's going to be very powerful in His return. But Matthew 21, let's read a few verses here. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and come to, to Bethlehem at the house of Olives, or the, at the Mount of Olives, let me tell you what, He's coming to the Mount of Olives again someday. I'll just throw that in there. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and, and a colt with her. Uh, loose them and, and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has needed them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a coat uh, the foal of a donkey. So uh, the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the donkey and a coat, laid her clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. It's like they're laying the red carpet out for him. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, notice what they call him, to who? The son of David. Listen, when they attribute this title to Jesus... Understand, they're calling Him King, the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when He had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And we're like, Who is this It's getting this kind of praise, this kind of adoration, being called the Son of David? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple and of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, "It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves." Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Listen, children can know who Jesus is. I don't know how old they were, but they knew. Hosanna to the Son of David. They were indignant. They didn't like that. These children worshiping Jesus and crying out, Son of David, and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I hear it. Have you never read, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? We need to not think that Jesus can't worship Jesus, right? Out of nursing infants. I like that reading. Now, this is probably one of my really favorite scenes in the life of Jesus Christ. I think because it's a small glimpse, a very small glimpse, of the rejoicing that we will see when Jesus Christ comes to this earth again. And I love seeing my King worshipped and adored. I hope one day maybe to see this scene replayed in heaven. I don't know if we'll get to see those kind of things, but I, I think we might be able to. The Bible says speaks of our faith becoming sight, and maybe one day we'll get to see all these. Things that happen in the Word of God and things that happen that we aren't, aren't even written. I don't know. We have a lot of time. Uh, so maybe that is possible. Um, but all of this, of course, is a fulfillment of prophecy by the prophet Zechariah in 9 9, which says this Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you listen when they were calling him son of david they knew exactly what they were calling him he is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey a coat the foal of a donkey listen they knew what they were calling him so i love this worship of jesus christ humbly riding into town on a donkey He humbly rides into town, but at the same time we see that he he very boldly walks into the temple and cleans house, overturns the tables of the money changers. I mean, this is a very different image of Jesus Christ, the humble king, than what maybe we may think of. very different image of, of the babe in the manger we may think of. Here he overturns the tables of the money changers who were in essence selling convenient worship. And he says this, declaring who he is, his deity, because he says, what? My house. (laughs) Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. That's who he is. He comes in there and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. I love the the humility of, and the boldness and the declaration found in all of that. But while he comes into the temple, on his way in we see the common people are there throwing down clothes on the road or getting branches from the trees and all of that. We see him in the temple and the blind and the lame coming to Jesus, being healed by him. The children are crying out in the temple along with what others were crying out saying Hosanna to the son of David the title of the king of Israel and Jesus once again is worshipped and adored and, and sought out here by the common people who else by the blind and the lame and who else by the children the most humble of the society and yet in the same text we find that scribes the chief priests, as they beheld what was going on in the worship of this one called Jesus. All that's going on, him and Him being called the Son of David, implying that He is King. The Bible says that they were indignant. What do we think about in regards to Jesus when we think about Him being King? Do we want Him as King? Or at the thought of Jesus Christ ruling and reigning in our life, are we indignant? That word indignant means to be filled with anger, disdain. They were filled literally with emotions of wrath, scorn, and contempt. How do we respond to this one called Jesus? To this one who is king? The religious leaders, the elite religious leaders of the day, were indignant at this Jesus who humbly rode into town on a donkey. So they were upset at this King Jesus being worshiped. How are we? Oftentimes, when I read the scriptures, and especially I think during the life of Jesus, and I see people responding different ways to him, I like to imagine myself there. In my mindset, how I am now, how would I have responded? What group maybe would I have identified with? If we were there at this moment, at this time, who would we be numbered with? Would we be those who cut down branches from the trees? Pretty extreme response, don't you think? Cut down trees, branches, laid them on the road, laid their clothes on the road? I mean, that's just kind of, you know, not very (laughs) cooth. Would we be willing to publicly follow this man Riding into town on a donkey and loudly, publicly, unashamedly worship him. I guess to find out if we would is to ask the question if we do, what about now? Could we imagine that we would show such a public display? knowing that there were many people around us who would be indignant, many religious people who would not like this kind of enthusiasm and joy to see us carrying about in such a manner, to throwing our clothes down for Him to walk on and following Him and worshiping Him and praising Him. Would we unashamedly now worship Him? And it's not even a public manifestation as much as what would have been then, but just to publicly be willing to sing praises to Jesus at our workplace, to publicly announce our loyalty to Jesus Christ, that He is King? Would we be willing to identify with any today who would very much unashamedly cry out praise to Christ Listen, it's easy in here. So when we come to church, we do that. Listen, when these people are doing it, it's not in a worship service like this in four walls where the majority is here who wants to be here and wants to worship and praise Jesus. They're openly on the outside, publicly, unashamedly, praising this man called Jesus, who they believe to be the Son of David. Will we identify with him today as king? Will we unashamedly sing and shout and rejoice in him? The Word of God tells us here that they rejoiced greatly. Hopefully, we would not, of course, be like the scribes or chief priests who were indignant. Jesus disrupted their traditions. Jesus disrupted their, their manner of worship and going to the temple. He changed things up. He showed Himself as Lord of the house of God. And once again, just like in the manger, we see Jesus is worshipped here by the lowly. He's worshipped by the lowly and rejected by the religious elite. Jesus says to those who rejected him as the son of David, he said, have you never read? He's like, haven't you guys read this? And I know that they had, they would have had read it. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. I love the little children when they praise Jesus. Something so innocent and pure and perfect about it even when it doesn't sound good. <laughs> I love it. I think Jesus does too. I love the innocence. I, I love the unashamedness. I, I love the not caught up in how great I sound of it. <laughs> and I just do it. I think we could learn something from that out of the mouth of babes. Will we humble ourselves as little children and worship the king who would come riding into town on a donkey? Do we worship him like that? Will we unashamedly worship the king, not just here, but out there? Lastly, let's talk about the king on the cross. Turn to John 18. John 18, which just a few verses. Verse 33, John 18, 33. Here he is before Pilate. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? <laughs> Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell this concerning me? <laughs> I love how Jesus answers questions with questions. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? He's basically saying, it ain't, it ain't about me. He says, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would, should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Basically saying my kingdom is not right now. His kingdom is in two phases. It is one spiritual. We have a spiritual kingdom going on right now. We are born again in the kingdom of God. But there's another kingdom coming when Jesus Christ comes back. Now, when you look at the trial and crucifixion of Jesus, you will find that the main theme through a lot of it is that the Jews were rejecting Jesus as king. They were saying... We will not have this man to reign over us. There was much discussion when you read through the the, the trial and the crucifixion of Christ, much in regard to Jesus as King of the Jews, and they were plainly, openly declaring they did not want Him. Turn to Mark 15, if you would. Mark 15. and Start with verse 9. I just want to see you see this just how much this is a part of his trial and why he was crucified. Mark fifteen and verse nine says this. But Pilate answered them, saying, "Do you want me to release to you the King of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. Envy! Wow, they were jealous. He was getting." He was getting prestige, he was getting a following, he was gaining power in their mind. They didn't like that. I think he knew, he's seen this as a power, he knew that this was a power play, if you would, with the chief priests and elders, because they didn't like the the, the, the attention and the following that Jesus was getting. That's the envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. You see, it did not matter if Jesus was innocent. They did not want this one that was called king of the Jews. They wanted to crucify him. And Jesus is now taken and he's beaten. And what do they do? They mock him as king. And all of his sufferings here that is to follow, you see how they were mocking him as king. The the, the soldiers leading him away, the Romans, and, and they take him. And we find that they clothed him with purple, right? The clothing of royalty. And they twisted a, what? a crown of thorns. and Instead of a, a crown of gold or of gems, they twisted together a crown of thorns. And they put it on his head. And began to salute him, mockingly, of course. What are they saying? Hail, what? King of the Jews. The Romans are now mocking him as king of the Jews. And they're, they're not even thinking about this, the Jews aren't. It doesn't seem they're mocking the Jews too. This is your king. This is your king. That's what the Romans are saying as they mock Jesus. Then the Bible says, And they struck him on the head with a reed. The reed was at first put in his hand, representing a scepter, which showed the king's authority. And so they took that reed then out of his hand the other Gospels read, and, and they take that reed, the Bible says in another place, that they then smote him on the head. So, taking that, that reed, which rep, mockingly represented his power and his authority, and smote him on the head. And they bowed, they, they spat on him when he should have been kissed, as a king should be. They bowed the knee, as you would before kings, and they worshiped him, of course, mockingly. And when they had mocked Him as though He wasn't even worthy, as though He wasn't even worthy of this purple robe that they put on Him, they disrobed Him of the purple robe, like as though you're not even worthy to wear this robe. And they put His own clothes on Him and let Him out to crucify Him. They rejected King Jesus in a most horrible fashion. Folks, it's one thing to accept Jesus in a manger and it's another thing to accept him on the cross. Do you know him today as king? Instead of putting him on a throne, they nailed him to the cross. Pilate then was told in the word of God that they put above his head in different languages, in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, he put this saying above the head of Jesus. This is the King of the Jews. They did not like that up there. They wanted him to change it and And they said, don't put that, put on there, he said he was king of the Jews. And Pilate says, what I have written, I have written. They further mocked him as he's there on the cross. And they say to Jesus, as he hangs on the cross, they said, if, if you are king of the Jews, save yourself. How can you save your people? You can't even save yourself. That's what they were saying. Yet while all of this rejection and mockery and humiliation of the King of kings and Lord of lords is taking place, the shame and humiliation that is going on, of course Jesus is doing this to bear our sins in His own body. If you read on there in Mark, You find, of course, at this time while all this rejection of King Jesus is taking place, not everyone was taking part. In verse 40, while all of this was going on and Jesus was dying on the cross, there were also women who were looked upon in that culture and society as the most lowly. There were also women looking on from afar. I don't think they wanted to be that close to Jesus with all the humiliation and shame that He was bearing. Among whom were Mary Magdalene, a woman who others had rejected, who had been filled with demons. Mary, the mother of James the Less and of Joseph and Salome, who also followed Him and ministered to Him when He was in Galilee, and many other women... Who came up with him to Jerusalem? They were the real followers of Christ, the king of the Jews. So we see here once again, we see different ways to respond to this king. We can mock him and say, You're no king. We can mock him and reject him and and smite him in our minds and, and wish that he were dead or we can mourn over the rejection of our king now i know that he did this for our sins and that makes it even that much worse it should be in our mind that he would go through all of this rejection and humiliation for us as his people ask yourself this question these questions this morning are you ashamed of this king Are you ashamed of this king in the cradle? Are you ashamed of this king on a donkey? And are you ashamed of this king on a cross? Or will you, like the shepherds, or will you, like the crowd when he rode into Jerusalem, or the young children there, or even the women sometimes who silently but publicly were there, be willing to identify with this king? Do you worship Him with the shepherds? Do you worship Him with the children? And does your heart break, no doubt, like the women who beheld the sufferings afar of their beloved King? I hope this morning that you know Jesus Christ as King and that you have surrendered to His authority in your life and that you would more closely identify with those followers of Christ and not with Herod who wanted to kill Him, not with the chief priests who were angered by him, and not with the Romans who mocked him. What is your relationship this morning to this one who is called King of the Jews? Are you a part of his kingdom? If not, then you need to know this morning without a doubt that this king is coming back. And He's not coming back humbly to be born in a manger. He's not coming back to ride on a donkey. And He's not coming back to be judged by men on a cross. He's coming back with power and great glory. He's coming back riding on a horse. And the Word of God says He will tread with fierceness the wrath of God upon His enemies, and He will judge them. Bow before this king today... Kiss the Son today. Because someday soon, very soon, the time of the Gentiles are going to be filled and Jesus will come and take us away and He will save one day those of the Jewish nation that do not die in tribulation. No, today is that day of salvation. Bow before King Jesus. Repent of your sins. Kiss the Son Kiss the Son today while you can, lest you forever be rejected by Him. Father in heaven, I pray for thanking you so much that this is my King. This is my King. I know He did not become King as He was born in this light or born to this earth. He was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and it was always your plan to have Your Son reign as King. I thank you this morning that I know him as my king. And I pray this morning for those that are lost without Christ and have yet to surrender to him and to bow to his authority. I pray that someday soon, even today, Lord, that they would bow before Christ as king. Lord, I know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They will do that one day. All of us here one day will bow before Him and confess that. I pray that it's not eternally too late for those that hear this message today. Thank You, Jesus, for coming and living a life of great humility from the cradle to riding on the donkey to going to the cross that You might save us from our sins. You humbled yourself beyond comprehension. But I know that this will also be to great exaltation one day soon. And I look forward to that. In Jesus' name I pray and amen. Let's all stand.